Targeted by Work Bullies, Stories from Hell. Written by Gloria Moraga. Narrated by Gloria Moraga. Produced by Moraga Media. Chapter 4. The Numbers. If you are being bullied at work, you are not alone. It's a crisis. It's an epidemic. It's gotta stop. Quote, some people try to be tall by cutting off the heads of others. Paramahasan Yoganaranda. The stories in this book are real. Every example of bullying really happened. The stories in part two are just short examples of what happened to former coworkers, family, and friends who lived through their bullying boss or bullying colleagues to tell the story. I'm changing names and places in some situations. I'm doing that to protect the people I'm writing about, people I care about, so they don't have to worry about repercussions or even being embarrassed. And frankly, so I won't get sued because isn't it just like a bully to try to get back at someone they've already beaten up? That's not going to happen to me. Not ever again. Bullying in the workplace is either at an all-time high or we are just more aware of the bullying or both. I believe in the latter. I'm convinced that not much is being done to stop the bullies. I believe this because it's what I witnessed, what I've read, and from my research. According to the 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey, almost 60% of U.S. workers are affected by workplace bullying. Here are some statistics from that survey that is now almost three years old. 19% of Americans are bullied. Another 19% witness it. 61% of Americans are aware of abusive conduct in the workplace. 60.4 million Americans are affected by bullying. 70% of perpetrators are men. 60% of targets are women. Hispanics are the most frequently bullied ethnic group. 61% of bullies are bosses. The majority, 63%, operate alone. 40% of bullied targets are believed to suffer adverse health effects. 29% of targets remain silent about their experiences. 71% of employer reactions are harmful to targets. 60% of coworkers' reactions are harmful to targets. To stop it, 65% of targets lose their original jobs. 77% of Americans support enacting a new law. 46% report worsening of work relationships post-Trump election. Because the United States is doing nothing to stop workplace bullying, I'm convinced these statistics are getting worse. Remember the last bullet point. If we elect leaders who openly bully, what else can we expect? I was dismayed when I read the 2017 bullying survey because I was targeted by three workplace bullies at my last job. I decided to leave that job in June 2017. I was bullied into retirement. I was depressed when I left a job I loved. I became more depressed when I read the survey because I was so stunned that so many workers are living through what I had gone through. Why wasn't something being done about these bullies? I consider myself a fighter, a trailblazer, who broke barriers in radio, television, and political reporting. Yet I didn't really fight the bullies. I didn't file a complaint. I just quit. I wasn't brave. I was a coward. 
I didn't do what was right. I let them get away with it. I'm sorry. I wish I'd been stronger, but I was so beaten up and beaten down. I had to flee. I'm writing this book with a hope that it will help you. While it is painful to remember and write about, it's important because we need to fight them and stop them. When you read and listen to these stories, you will know we all struggle with workplace bullies and you will know you have options and you can survive. As I was suffering and trying to survive my bullies, I knew friends, family, and colleagues who were dealing with their own real life, living and breathing bully demons. This book is about the targets and their stories. At first glance, it seems as if Pearl, Laura, Anthony, Gloria, and Carol have almost nothing in common. Laura is a 30-something English major. Anthony is in his late teens and just beginning his first job and entering college. Pearl is a 50-year-old experienced federal office worker. I was a television journalist turned marketing manager and video producer. Carol is a military veteran and an award-winning community relations marketing professional. We are a diverse group with one thing in common. We were all targeted by workplace bullies. We all lost something of ourselves in the process of surviving. We lost jobs. We lost confidence. We lost a sense of self-worth and so much more that I can't even put into words. As painful as it is to remember my bullying, it's worth it if it helps you realize that you are not alone. I hope it helps. Part two, our stories. Chapter five, Laura's story. Quote, 71% of employer reactions are harmful to targets. The 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey. The jealous, green-eyed monster bully. Quote, when you're a secretary in a brewery, it's pretty hard to make believe you're anything else. Everything is beer. Eve Harrington, all about Eve. Tall, beautiful, and smart is the only way I can describe Laura. When she walks into a room, heads turn to look at her. An English major, she worked her way up through several positions before joining our office. She is an excellent writer, copy editor, extremely well-liked, and she excelled at every project. She eventually worked her way up to a key public relations position. Change is inevitable. My career and Laura's changed when a new manager was appointed to oversee our office. He was, to put it simply, incompetent. He was, and probably still is, an incompetent, passive-aggressive bully. And this is ironic. He was not the worst change that happened. He hired someone who made Laura's work life, and mine, unbearable. Suddenly, we had two bullies in upper management who spent their days micromanaging our office and basically destroying all the positive work we'd accomplished. They destroyed and they bullied. They destroyed great work relationships with other departments. They killed goodwill. They reassigned key projects that were then ignored or mismanaged. They were asserting their power, making the office theirs, not ours. And they achieved this by bullying the staff. Remember, this is a public sector office supported by tax dollars. In the private sector, where I worked for 20 years, if you made money and were successful, you didn't have to worry too much about personal jealousy and petty ego. Higher education breeds a whole different level of nincompoops. He was dumb. She was dumber. These two were idiots, and they were mean, and they bullied. 
The bullying of Laura began when the male manager hired a female department head. It was clear from the start that she was jealous of the younger, more popular, more competent Laura. Here are some of the ways they began bullying Laura and making her work life miserable. They made her responsible for writing dozens of reports that they didn't read. They required that she produce dozens of talking point documents that they did not use. They changed her staffing assignments without telling her. And then they fired one of her productive staff members when she was on vacation. Every day for four years, she was abused, yelled at, and demoralized. Finally, she'd had enough. She documented her treatment and filed a complaint with human resources. HR did nothing. The head of human resources reported Laura's complaint to the two bullies and their boss, the university president. Laura's treatment worsened. Most of the staff were aware of Laura's treatment. One by one, staff members walked upstairs to complain to the president. While they all stood up to complain about the two managers, I curled up in the fetal position under my desk. Okay, I didn't do that, but that's what it felt like. That story in another chapter. The president promised the staff he would take some action. He did not. He didn't want to. He was a big bully himself. He set the tone for the entire department and the entire university. The managers followed his lead. And the culture of bullying was justified and repeated in offices on the entire campus. It was sick. The department scheduled a staff retreat. After a day of listening to endless experts, the demoralized staff was invited to a wine and cheese after retreat gathering. That was when Laura's male manager drunkenly walked up to her, moved his face close to hers, spitting as he spoke and said, see, I'm still here and they aren't going to do anything to me and you're fucked. He then spilled wine on her dress. There were witnesses. Nothing was done to the manager. Not long after that incident, Laura left her job. She is now an extremely successful public relations manager. The office continued to be horribly mismanaged following Laura's departure. It didn't seem to matter. The two bullies remained. They had no management experience, no people skills, no talent, no personalities. When I left my job, because of my endless bullying by those two, they were still there, mismanaging the department and wasting hundreds of thousands of tax dollars a year on their inadequate marking and public relations failures. Lessons learned from Laura. Laura did all the right things. She documented her treatment. She complained to human resources. She reported her treatment to the bully's supervisor. She completed every task as assigned. Most important, she kept her job, updated her resume, and looked for a better job. It is so important to keep your job while searching for a better position. You don't want the bullies to force you to quit. Searching for a job while you are unemployed puts you in a position of weakness. You want to remain strong. You want to win. The bullies are the losers. What the experts recommend. Quote, do hold the employer accountable for putting you in harm's way. It's not your personal responsibility as a victim to fix the mess you did not start. Employers control the work environment. When you are injured as a result of exposure to the environment, 
make the employer own the responsibility to fix it. That's a quote from the Workplace Bully Institute three-step target action plan. That sounds great, but it doesn't always work that way. Not yet. Laura's real-life case proves it. Some employers don't want to do anything to change, and they won't unless they are legally forced. I found this tip in an article in The Muse, written by Stav Z. The article was titled, Don't Let Workplace Bullies Win. Here's a quote. Keep a journal of the who, what, when, where, why of things that happen, says Catherine Matisse Dindel, CEO of Civility Matters. If you're in a staff meeting and the bullying occurs, then go back to your desk and write down who else was in the staff meeting, what was said, why was it said, and try to just put in as much detail as you can. Notes about the quote. I began this chapter with a quote from the movie, All About Eve, starring actress Betty Davis. The award-winning movie was adapted from a short story called The Wisdom of Eve, written by Mary Orr. The screenplay was written by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, and it has some of the best lines in film history and a plot that relates to bullies in my story about Laura and the green-eyed, jealous monster bully. If you are unfamiliar with the 1950s movie, please check it out. The film is about a younger actress, Eve, who befriends a successful Broadway star, Margot Channing. Margot has everything that Eve covets. Eve lies, cheats, and quietly bullies her way into Margot's life and career. Eve gets what she wants, Margot's part in a successful stage production, but she is miserable in the end. Laura's boss bullies were so jealous of her, and she was and is everything they are not and never will be. But Laura is happy to be far away from those bullies. Chapter 6. Gloria's Story. Quote, 29% of targets remain silent about their experiences. The 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey. The College Workplace Bullies. Quote, if you are going through hell, Keep going. Winston Churchill. I was a political reporter for 20 years when I went back to school to earn my master's degree while working full-time as a political correspondent in Washington, D.C. But I felt the decision was going to help me achieve a more stable future. I knew I wouldn't be on television when I was an older woman. My long-term goal was to work at a university. And I knew I needed a master's degree if I was going to be taken seriously. I moved from Washington to Sacramento, California, where I worked for five years as a political reporter and for an additional five as managing editor at the ABC News affiliate. I managed a staff of reporters. I was responsible for on-air and online news content. I applied for and was hired by a Sacramento university to work as their news director in public affairs. I was thrilled to accept the job. I didn't know I would endure 11 years of bullying by three key upper-level managers. When I took the job, I'd hoped to produce and write positive academic stories about students and faculty. I wanted to work there forever. Wow. Was I wrong? My first bully at the university was a woman who enjoyed putting her managers on the spot. She was a yeller and a bully, and everybody knew it. Once in a director's meeting, she was questioning a colleague, and the woman became flustered and began to fidget, and her face became red. That was it. 
The bully snapped. Why are you nervous? Why is your face red? The woman, Annie, stammered. I don't know. And the bully yelled, no, you don't know. This is just stupid. You are stupid. I opened my mouth to speak up and she pointed a finger at me and said, you don't want to go there. And for one of the first times in my career, I shut my mouth. I was ashamed for not speaking up for my colleague. It became a pattern with me, one that included self-loathing. Many times I would be in my office working on projects and my phone would ring and the bully would call and she would just begin screaming at me. I had no idea why. Once I said, what did I do wrong? And she screamed, that's it. You don't know anything. When the university president decided to reorganize and move our department to another area, I was thrilled. Maybe now I could relax and work for a normal manager. It was the worst change I ever endured in my career. I didn't know that the new vice president didn't want me on his team. He wanted to hire some of his cronies from the local newspaper who were all losing their jobs. Even though I had worked for years to earn my position, he began quietly harassing me and bullying me so I would resign. It became a war. With him bombarding me with numerous assignments and mental abuse and me refusing to surrender, I just went along accepting all his attacks just to prove he wasn't going to get rid of me. My office was downstairs. His office was upstairs. My phone would ring and he would snap, get up here. I used crutches to walk. I would walk to the opposite end of the building to take the elevator upstairs rather than taking the stairs which were near my office door and his. I didn't want to trip and fall on the stairs. More than once, he said to me in private, you have got to get up here faster. My mouth dropped open. I thought, did he just say that? More than once, he said, you took too long. I don't need you anymore. Many, many times he would ask me one or two questions, nothing that couldn't have been dealt with on the phone, and then he would dismiss me. He decided not to hire an office assistant. So for a year, despite a heavy workload, I would have to walk to the front of the office to respond to people just walking in the door. After that first year, I was demoted. He hired the wife of a friend from the newspaper. She had no management experience, no public relations experience, and no advanced degree. She did not have to apply for the job or go through the hiring committee process. First, she was appointed. And when she was promoted, it was done quietly without posting the job or accepting other applications. I had survived three years of bullying by the female bully. One year with the male bully. Now I had two bullies who would devote much of their time inventing projects for me that seemed to be impossible to complete. After my demotion, many of my top-level projects were given to other staff members. These were projects I had excelled at. I had helped save the university from a lawsuit. I had expertly managed an officer-involved shooting. My list of accomplishments is documented. Eventually, I lost all my projects and was given very little to do. This was their way of setting the groundwork to lay me off. I was in a panic. I was approaching age 55. My 75-year-old father, my 20-year-old daughter, and her newborn baby were all living with me and depending on me. How could I be in this predicament? I needed to work at least one more year to be eligible for retirement benefits, including health care. I did the only thing I could do. I emailed the university president asking to be reassigned to another department. He emailed back. He would see what he could do, he said. He could do anything. 
I wasn't transferred, but I was given a long-term project. This gave me another couple of years so I could make it to an early unwanted retirement. So I stayed. I took care of my family and I endured. I had my marketing project. I won three awards for the university television show I created and produced, but the bullies never stopped harassing me. I had no support. I was required to shoot video and edit all my stories. Let me be clear. We had people sitting around the office with nothing to do, and I was shooting and editing and writing and producing seven half-hour television and online shows. They wanted me to fail. Instead, I won awards. I was moved to a small, dark workspace. It was depressing and horrible. My desk was not a real desk. I had to sit with a corner of a table digging into my stomach. I requested a motorized cart so I wouldn't have to carry my gear long distances. That request was denied. Other staff members have their own carts. Why was I denied a cart? I use crutches. I'm legally disabled, and I was denied a cart. I had to carry around 15 pounds of gear. My computer wouldn't handle all the large video files. My software would crash a couple of times a day. I requested a better computer. It was denied. I was told that the boss bully had said privately, I was never to get a better computer. Let her win awards, he said, with her old computer. They hired a white male to take my former job, director of multimedia. That was the position I was assigned to after my first demotion. I had been demoted again, this time to an executive producer position. The new hire was kind and professional. He ordered a video editing computer and secretly gave me his old one. Still, I was in hell. And people in hell want ice water. Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. I decided to take Sir Winston's advice. After 11 years at the university, they took one more shot at me. I was going to be audited, and then I was going to be demoted again with a major pay cut. I looked at the numbers. I could retire and make more money with my retirement and pensions than if I stayed and continued to work alone, shooting all my own videos with no promotion or support. I left. I was replaced by people with less experience and no advanced degrees. According to the 2017 Workplace Bullying Survey, the way I reacted to my bullying and the decisions I made are like others. The 2017 Workplace Bullying Survey. Quote, once a person is targeted for bullying, a choice made by the perpetrators, that person has a 5 out of 10% chance of losing her or his livelihood. If one adds the 11% of targets who had to transfer to retain employment, 65% of targets had to leave the jobs they love for no cause. Furthermore, the target is driven to quit. Voluntarily quitting, 23% is usually based on escalating health problems that families and physicians recognize then encourage the target to leave the job. But 12% of quitting is based on decisions made after work conditions become untenable, so cruel as to drive a rational person to escape. Constructive discharge is the goal for many perpetrators. Terminations of targets are typically based on fabricated lies. What I did right. Nothing. <laughs> Just kidding. My sense of humor has helped me through my life. I did one thing right. I kept great notes. One of my television bosses once said to me, 
always take good notes. The person who takes the best notes wins in court. I'm using my notes to write this book, and I hope they help you feel better just by knowing you are not alone. What I did wrong. I did not file a complaint with human resources. I did not file an official complaint with my boss's supervisors. I suffered in silence. I did not show my documentation to my supervisors to confront them. When others in the office were complaining about the bullying, I did not join them. My worst mistake, I quit. I left a job I love. What the experts recommend. The Workplace Bully Institute recommends that we take time off to heal and launch a counterattack. I wish I'd done this. I did not take care of myself mentally or physically. I pushed myself harder and harder with the hope that I could convince them to give up. Here is a quote from their website. Research state and federal legal options. In a quarter of bullying cases, discrimination plays a role. Talk to an attorney. Maybe a demand letter can be written. Look for internal policies, harassment, violence, respect for violations to report. Fully expecting retaliation. Start job search for next position. About the quotes. I am a political nerd and a history fanatic. And of all the advice I'm sharing, I like Sir Winston's advice best. If you're going through hell, keep going. I'm adding my advice. Run. Run as fast as you are financially able. Run away from the bullies. Coming up next on Targeted by Work Bullies, Stories from Hell, Chapters 7 through 9, Anthony's Story, Pearl's Story, and Carol's Story. I'm Gloria Moraga. Please subscribe. Please share. Please share.